From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you here, along with our producer and co-host, Elaine Harlan, and uh, some good friends from an, uh, uh, a ministry that we're very, very proud to uh, be part of. It's the Stanislaus County Healthy Marriage Coalition. Jim and Alicia Stewart are with us, and we'll be introducing you, uh, them to you in just a couple of minutes. Uh, before we do that, though, quickly, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people be when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with the story of a Jesus freak who was ready for the worst. Pastor Lee knew he was being watched by the Chinese Public Security Bureau. He knew the risk of preaching at the house church, as he did every Tuesday. Pastor Lee had been arrested many times and beaten to the point where he vomited blood. Once he was beaten with his own Bible. He also knew Chinese citizens can be sent to labor camps for up to three years without a trial. So he was ready. He even had a bag packed with a blanket and extra clothing. Still he preached that night without fear. Sure enough, armed officers burst through the doors and arrested him. Lee was ready. Are you? Will you take a stand? Go online to persecution.com. Back with you live here on Lighthouse Live. Again, friends, uh, we encourage you to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the globe. And, uh, you know, Elaine, as, as we've been locally here working through the acts and the birth of the the new church you know it was instantaneous the the persecution that rose up uh, beginning with stephen the first martyr then of course the first disciple uh, james uh, put to death as well for his faith and uh, we're so blessed here in america and it's a reminder that we need to uh, take that freedom not for granted and uh, really to reach out uh, into the streets in our neighborhoods with the good news of Christ and uh, to love each other as we love ourselves and uh, in order to carry uh, Christ's banner out there and to be, as we often say, Jesus with skin on to people who really, really need to know church uh, and not in terms of what we're against, but in terms of what we're for. That's right. And uh, we're for hope and uh, salvation and the good news of Christ. So we encourage you keep that uh, perspective. Speaking of good perspectives, here's Brad Dacus in the Pacific Justice Institute. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, 
Brad Dacus. Pacific Justice announces its second annual effort to encourage students and churches to organize and host baccalaureate services for graduating high school seniors. The baccalaureate services acknowledge the spiritual element of the graduation event. But in this day of political correctness, many families and churches are unaware of the legal opportunity for these services. When initiated by students or a church, it is separated from the school sponsorship and is totally constitutional. PGI provides legal guidance, practical tips, and even model formats for those interested in hosting a baccalaureate service for their local graduates. See PGI.org. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at PacificJustice.org. You know, speaking of uh, justice issues, uh, Elaine, uh, last week, of course, if you were following the newspapers, the uh, U.S. Ninth Court of Appeals, the U.S. <laughs> District Ninth Court it's of hard Appeals. hard to say, isn't it? Well, and they're so wise, this group. Uh, actually, oh, oh, went uh, 180 degrees from a previous decision, and uh, the uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals said that it is okay to say one nation under God in the Pledge of Allegiance, and even that it's okay to have in God we trust on our coins. just want to let you know how much better I feel knowing the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, validates God for now, but you never know what's mm-hmm. happening next. Just keep praying for the U.S. Ninth always, Circuit. Court always of keep praying. Yes. You bet. Let's take a quick look at the Volunteer Center at the United Way's Linda Hand list for this week. Stanislaw County Elections Office, a statewide direct primary election, will be held on Tuesday, June 11th. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Volunteers ages 18 years and older are needed to serve as election officers, bilingual election officers, and on-call election officers from 6 a.m., ooh, that's early, to 9.30 p.m. on Election Day. Election officers help set up the voter precinct, maintain security of the ballots and voting equipment, and assist voters as necessary. Now, a $95 stipend is offered for the volunteers' time and commitment, which includes a mandatory three- to four-hour training class, and that's going to be offered from May 17 through May 22nd in Modesto, Oakdale, and Turlock. Training will provide an excellent overview of the Election Day process as well as hands-on equipment training to ensure proper setup and operation of the voting equipment. Interested people must be registered voters in California and attend the training Volunteer applications are available online at www.stanvote.com. You might want to join Doctors Medical Center Foundation where you can share your customer service experience at the Memory Lane Thrift Store. That's benefiting Miller's Place Alzheimer's Daycare. This is such a neat, neat thing. We encourage volunteers ages 16 years and up Uh, needed for all facets of thrift store operations, including processing donated items, kind of receiving, sorting, pressing, steaming, and displaying, and stocking, and all those things. Customer service, uh, retail experience is helpful but not required. And mature individuals, I don't know where that... Oh, that lets me out. (laughs) Where that invisible line is drawn, but they've got (laughs) it somewhere. As opposed to immature. (laughs) Okay, shall we go there? (laughs) Flexible hours uh, for shifts are available during regular store hours. Uh, Weekday 
Sundays from 10 to 5, Saturdays 10 to 4. Uh, donations of quality items in good condition uh, are encouraged. Celebrating 35 years of service, Dr. Medical uh, Center Foundation, improving the lives of individuals and families through quality health education and services. And be sure to say hello to our friend Cheryl over there, Amen. too. You bet. Reading Works uh, Adult Literacy Program reminding us to teach an adult to read and change their future. Do you know over 100,000 or 46% of Stanislaw County adults are in the two lowest levels of literacy and are considered functionally illiterate? Well, you can change a person's life, their future, and their children's future by opening doors through reading. Volunteers ages 16 years and older spend just a couple of hours per week increasing the students' basic reading skills, utilizing an easy-to-follow phonics-based curriculum. Reading Works is providing a tutor orientation Wednesday, April 7, from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m., followed by a tutor training, and that's on Saturday, April 10th, from 10 to 4. Now, both are going to be held at the Modesto Library Downstairs Auditorium, and Reading Works is in partnership with the Stanislaw County Library and the Stanislaw Literacy Center providing free literacy services for adults who need to improve their basic academic skills. If you have any questions on any of these items, please call Barbara Borba. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113, or you can email her at bborba at uastan.org. She loves those emails, too. And uh, as far as here on the ABC home front, we need and just welcome with open arms men's bicycles. Uh, needed for transportation to and from job search efforts. This is a huge need. We have a growing list, actually, of names, individuals in need. Also, men's clothing in various sizes, uh, jeans to casual work attire, uh, sizes 36 through 40, shoes sizes 8 through 13. Check the sizes out on our website. Once again, that's www.vibrantcommunities.org. Uh, www.vibrantcommunities.org, or you can give us a call here at 209-544-9571. Again, that's 209-544-9571, and we will connect you and your donations to where they need to go. Well, celebrating love and marriage and healthy relationships don't have to be done on February 14th or anniversaries or weddings or special days, although that's wonderful, and when we do those things, we, but we believe in daily celebrations. Amen? Amen. You bet. Therefore, we have extended another warm welcome to a very loving couple here on Lighthouse Live, Mr. and Mrs. Jim and Alicia Stewart. Welcome back, guys. Great to have you with us. <laughs> we are happy to be here. Yes, indeed. Yeah. We know you guys have a lot to catch us up on with the Healthy Marriage Coalition of Stanislaw County. We want to get that in there because we know you guys are all over the place and we have listeners all over the place tonight as well, but and just tons of stuff going on as we say. But let's back up a bit though, if we can, and uh, just rewind this tape as we used to say. <laughs> Isn't it nice? Going back a ways. Remember that when you have, used to have to put the quarter-inch tape in the little groove yeah, with yeah. the razor blade. Not that and, any of our listeners yeah, not, No, probably that. not. But those days, thankfully, nuts. are gone. But, yeah. yeah. But the two of you, tell us, who in the world are you? <laughs> 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 who are you guys? Jim and Alicia. Well, Stewart. first of all, uh, when we call ourselves the Stanislaw County Healthy Marriage Coalition, first I want to say that we're not a county agency. Right. Um, that just um, 
kind of tells people what area we cover, but it's been kind of confusing. So um, we, we're uh, increasingly go, just calling ourselves Healthy Marriage these days. So um, we are a nonprofit uh, public benefit uh, corporation, and we're here to help promote the value of marriage in our community and to teach relationship skills and marriage edu- education classes and have some fun events around marriage. You know, marriage has, uh, has, has been in the headlines for so many years, and I think over the past at least uh, 15 to 20 years, churches really have had a, a new look at the whole marriage issue. And uh, thankfully, you know, some 20 years ago anyway, churches got okay about addressing uh, reconciliation issues and providing those helps, and, it, you know, it, it went beyond just going into the pastor who had no idea what he was doing anyway regarding marriage counseling and, uh, you know, and, and getting, you know, take two scriptures and call me in the morning, you know, was, was, what was happening. And so really, and, and so things really, and of course, and, you know, in, in Modesto has had a long history of uh, being on the cutting edge, you know, with the uh, community marriage policy being first signed in 19, uh, 1985. I'm just curious from your perspective because you're now, uh, you know, you're involved in this full time. You, you, you go to conferences all over the nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of give us a quick snapshot of how marriage ministries are doing across the nation. Is, is there traction building? Are we beginning to see results? What's, uh, what, what's happening nationally? Absolutely. Um, there's definitely traction building. There's marriage ministries popping up all across our nation, um, the Association of Marriage and Family Ministries, um, AMFM, is a strong um, Christian voice for marriages. And then there's the um, secular version, which is Smart Marriages, which is a very large conference that happens every year. tends to travel a little bit. This year it's going to be in Florida, um, in Orlando. And Christian and secular um, experts of all sorts and flavors come and present their findings, their materials, um, things that you can get and teach right out of the box or something that's a little more in-depth so you can get help um, for couples just starting out, help for couples who've been in it and are raising their family, help for couples who may be empty nesters, or help for couples who are experiencing problems. Um, so it's available and it's growing. And the really neat thing about the movement is everybody helps each other. Mm. We all share the information. It's yeah. not proprietary, right. you know. <laughs> now, Alicia, you call it a movement. Do you it guys is. take couples from this area and go there? Or is this a movement within the church to get everybody healthy? Is everybody doing this all together as a church body? Is everybody in the same playing field unwrap this for us if you will. well I, I think about 15 or, or 20 years ago um, the major uh, resource for couples were um, uh, marriage therapists or um, family family counselors and things like that and and of course the big you know source is the the church and the pastors Um but around that time, a lot of these educators or a lot of these therapists started realizing that um, in the vast scheme of things, they really weren't able to help that many people. And uh, many of them started to get a vision that um, if they could do marriage education 
as less a one-on-one or a, a you know a, a counselor to a couple, and then they could do it in a in a group atmosphere and start talking about principles and uh, basic and, skills and basic skills. Then they could reach a lot more people. I, I have a friend in in Sacramento who is a marriage and family therapist and. She ended up closing her practice because she figured she was only able to help maybe 40 couples a year on the average. But when she started taking it to a broader audience, that is just mushroomed into the thousands and thousands that she's able to help now. Mm. Yeah, I remember many years ago I was talking to the uh, the founder of, of eHarmony.com, and now it's under new uh, management. Uh, but uh, he went to Pasadena. I was talking to him, and he says, "You know, Mike, uh, I, I'm 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 putting so much energy in trying to fix marriages, and and incurring so much frustration." He says, "I I, I really feel like I'm being led to dedicate my life." to preparing people mm, for marriage wow. and that I'll have a lot more success. And, and eHarmony in its early uh, infancy grew uh, grew out of that sure. desire. And, and a godly man, by the way, Neil mm-hmm. Clark Warren. Um, I, I'm interested, because, and, and that was his passion. That's what drove him to, right. to sure. explore these new ideas. What has given you the passion to uh, to make the sacrifices you have to make these days in in ministry to keep your hand on the plow and help others in marriage. What uh, what, what is what is driving you to uh, to dedicate yourselves to this uh, particular segment of of ministry? Well, for us personally, um, we watched our parents' marriages fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I my parents were churchgoers. Um, of course, when they started falling away from attending church and falling away from that community of encouragement there, then they got affected by the world. Mm. And their marriage of over 20 years disintegrated. Mm. Um, my my parents, uh, although they were not divorced from each other, uh, had nine divorces between them. And uh, I didn't find that out for a long time, but it, that was a really an eye-opening yeah. uh, piece of information for me. I'm trying to understand that. Hold on. I'm, I'm <laughs> slow. Say that, that again. means his dad was divorced six times. <laughs> okay. His mother was divorced three times. Okay. All right. Got Pretty it. scary, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So um, when we knew, and Jim comes from a history of divorce himself, so we knew when we got married that we were going to need we didn't want to get divorced. This was a good thing. And we knew from seeing other couples, um, my grandparents included, um, that it was possible to have a lifelong happily married, you know, happy ever, happily ever after. We wanted it to be lifelong. So we got education for ourselves in the way of marriage um, and relationships and surrounded ourselves with people who believed in that. How did you guys meet? Yeah. Square dancing. Square dancing. Okay. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what led up to your courting and dating and all that. Oh. Wow. Well, uh, I kind of a brief story about me is I was I grew up in the Mormon church. I left it when I was a teenager. I never set foot in a church after that mm. for uh, uh, un- unless going to a wedding or a funeral for mm. the next I don't know ten fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was not a great communicator. Uh, I was uh, I, I didn't do a good job as as a husband, and it ended up in divorce. Um, when Alicia and I met and started uh, dating, 
Uh, well, I'll let Lisa take it from here. She tells this one better. I was, as a as a child, I grew up in the church, and I knew I knew the Lord. I knew the truth of the Bible. I accepted the Lord. I was baptized, and then when my parents um, got away from the church, I also got away from the church, mm-hmm. and then I started looking for love and acceptance. Of course, looking for love in all the wrong places, as the it's song a song goes. like that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but um, when. Um, Jim came into my life, and and we knew each other for for a while from the square dancing thing. But when we actually started to to get to be really close friends, I knew that this was a different thing. And God just spoke to me, and I wouldn't have called it God at the time, but um, I knew that this relationship was different. And, and so, not being a church goer at the time or whatever, I asked him, "Will you go to church with me?" And he said yes. So it's kind of like, you know, a challenge kind of thing. So once once he said yes, I called up my grandparents and said, hey, are you guys still going to that church over there on, you know, Sandiford? <laughs> yeah. Save me and my friend a spot. They did. And, of course, my no one comes to the Lord, but somebody's praying for them. My grandmother was praying for me the sure. whole time. Yeah. Um, so Jim and I both So attended. at that point, I walked into a church, and it, and it was a church that, unlike anything I had ever known, and I saw happy, joyful people rejoicing in the Lord and worshiping and, and, and just full exuberance. And, and that really touched me right away. Mm-hmm. And then we started talking about getting married, and we started talking to the church about getting married. And, and um, this mean old pastor told me <laughs> I was a heathen because he asked me some questions that, you know, helped me determine, you know, what my spiritual life was really like. And that made him mad. And that made me mad. But it made me mad enough to go investigate what he was talking about. I found out what he was talking about was true, and it wasn't too many weeks later on Easter of 1986 that I gave my heart to the Lord. Mm-hmm. On Easter. On Easter. Wow. Resurrection <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> wow. That's and I great. rededicated my life. So we, we started, they didn't, um, like we mentioned the community marriage policy earlier on, and, and that happened in... Uh, I think officially in 1986. Correct, yeah. And um, we were married in February of 1987. So we were one of those couples that very early on fell under this thing. And and I think it was still kind of early going, and they didn't really know what to do with this. But let's say what the community marriage policy covers says that you have to have a a minimum of four hours of marriage education before a pastor will marry you. And there's a few other things. But that was the the bottom line for us is we had to have some kind of education other than um, do you have a job? Do you have a place to stay? And you, can you support her kind of thing, <laughs> which is what it used to be. Sure. When yeah. you would meet with the pastor, can you, do you have a plan? And that's your plan. Okay, sure. good. But this was a little more about, you know, financial education, relationship education, sex education, um, relationship skills. Now, did you guys do the prepared and rich thing and go that through all, all of that? That was before that came out. <laughs> yeah, that was pre- We, we predate that. <laughs> yeah. okay. We certainly use that okay. now. We did okay, something good. similar, though. Yeah. It was right. a, We did some personality okay. assessments. Do the Taylor Johnson? Or? Yes. Yeah, Taylor yeah. Johnson, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, now, did you have children? In, in I had, yes, I had a daughter. All right, so you were looking at a blending family as well. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, and boy, have we come a long way with that. And, <laughs> you know, I, yes. I, was, I was sitting there fat, dumb, and happy in my office one day, and this wonderful woman named Patty Zasky walks into my office. You know Patty. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, she plops herself down, and she had made an appointment. She says, so what are you doing for step families? And I was kind of like the deer, deer in the headlights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm supposed to be the marriage guy. I'm going, ah, 
Good question. And so quickly I thought and said, well, uh, what would you like to help me do? You know, I mean, that's... Sure. And and what that did, though, is opened up uh, a brand new thing. And, and at that oh, time, good. you know, there weren't a whole lot of resources no, for blended families. No, and, and, and we didn't... We called them step families, and we called them blended families, and then Blending. I forget who it was uh, said, "You know, the only blended family gets pureed. You know, yeah. it's a process of blending." Yeah, but a lot of bleeding involved. Of bleeding. Yeah. Get that but good picture of the frogs in the beach. Ugly, isn't it? I know. Just very, very ugly. I'm sorry. So, how did you how did you approach that? Because probably at that time there weren't a whole lot of resources to. Well, you to know, is it, it that I just wanted before we talk about our experience that it it is true um that step families are a huge part of today's typical yes. congregation mm-hmm. um some studies say it's as many as half your congregation mm-hmm. is is our step families yes even whether you have stepchildren you might be um one of your parents might be remarried so you're still in a step family that way grandparents yes I mean, yes yeah. it's huge yes huge so the family gets very large and very yes, complicated yes. very quickly. Indeed. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing for us was uh, mentor couples. Uh-huh, we, uh, yeah. we were paired up in a Sunday school class with some couples that had been married for a few years. Mm-hmm. And um, we started to pick things up from them, and, and we kind of moved on from there. Uh, and we, uh, we were given a video series that we went through that was very educational. We, we really enjoyed that. It talked about... It was made for married couples. It wasn't right. made for premarital, but because of our age and because of our past, um, we kind of fit in more in with the married group, and so they put us in there. Yeah, they were going through a video series called After You Say I Do. And oh, there's yeah, some great sure. great people on there, Larry mm-hmm. Burkett and oh, yeah. H. Norman Wright, and mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, the LaHayes were on right. that. And, and so that was kind of our first uh, little taste of... What we call marriage education now. Um, and then the next thing that, that happened to us is we started putting together some ground rules for our own relationship. Mm. And some of those ground rules were um, rules that would be common for couples, like, you know, treat each other with kindness and respect. You know, kiss each other when you leave the house mm-hmm. um, each morning. And. Um, no, no sarcasm, no um, put downs, even in jest. Yeah, we uh, knew that sarcasm was an issue in, in both Alicia's parents' marriage and in my mm. former marriage. So we knew that that was going to be uh, a dangerous yeah. thing for us. So we just decided we're not going to do that at all. Amen. Right. Amen. You mentioned the mentor couple aspect, and and that has been such a powerful dynamic around the nation. Yes. Uh, talk a little bit about where that is now and, and uh, j- just the way God uses mentor couples to uh, not only heal but prepare people for marriage. Um, there's a great group in um, in Fresno uh, that um, I'm just blanking out on the name of it. Uh, but now it's called mentors. yeah, it's Marriage Mentoring Ministries, mm-hmm. and now it's called um, Grow Your Marriage, mm-hmm. and they're part right. of a an organization like ours, but they started out as a marriage mentoring ministries and they go and they uh, visit churches and they um, enlist mentor couples and give them a little bit of training on, you know, what a mentor couple is. And um, when you, when you uh, pair marriage education with mentoring, it's hugely effective. It's 
Um, I think the uh, city of El Paso, Texas, had a community marriage policy. And in Modesto, our experience, just enacting the marriage policy itself, we had a 50% increase mm -hmm. in our number of divorces. But El decrease. Paso, a decrease, excuse me, decrease. decrease in the number <laughs> of divorces. Um, in El Paso, they put a big push on to couple the community marriage policy along with marriage mentoring, and they had about a 90% reduction yeah, yeah. in their divorce rate. So it's, it's really a really important uh, piece. You know, Lori and I, when we, we'd moved from Pasadena, where we'd been born, well, I was born in, she came, she was born in Long Beach and, you know, was an alien in Pasadena. <laughs> <laughs> we were kind of fascinated. We were there for, you know, some, some 30 years or so. Moved to Sacramento, and, you know, one, one of the most traumatic things, I think, is trying to find a new church. You know, when you've been oh, yeah. somewhere for 35 years, it's traumatic trying to find a new church. And and we, we wound up at this Presbyterian. I'd never been in a denomination, you know, uh, but I wound up in a Presbyterian church. And the first day we were there, a couple, I think they were in their late 70s, early 80s at that time, took us under their wing. I mean, <clears throat> we just walked up to the information center and said, hi, we're, we're new here. And that couple followed us for the six or seven years that we were in Sacramento. And it was just a, a powerful thing to have yes. that couple care for us, pray for us, mm -hmm. you know, walk us through life and the birth of our first child and, and that sort of thing. And I know that, that you have mentored others. And uh, we got, uh, well, we got about a minute before the break here, but just kind of good to give us an introduction on, on that and what the value is to you as a mentor couple, how that blesses you. Yes, it seems like you would be doing giving the blessing, but so often we find that we receive the blessing because mm, whenever we pray over a couple, we're praying over their relationship and, and their marriage or their future marriage. Often we uh, mentor premarital couples, mm -hmm. um, and they bless. we get the blessing so much um, because we learn new things about ourselves because if we give them an assignment, of course, we're going to do the assignment, whether it's a sure. list of expectations, you know, what would you do in this situation? How do you feel about um, this? How do you feel about in-laws? Where are we going to spend our holidays? Um, those kind of things. Some of those, you know, we've been married for 23 years. We've got that down. Other things um, we come across and go, oh, I'm not sure I could answer what his who his favorite author is or his favorite um, movie. Uh, so we sit down and do those ourselves. Yeah, we just we just we we just celebrated our 23rd anniversary, and Amen. we're well, congratulations. <laughs> Amen. And, yes. uh, God. We sat down. Yeah, <laughs> we sat down and uh, and did a worksheet the other night and spent about two hours just going through things. You know what? You know what is it you like these days? What is your favorite color? Because today? people do you know? change. Yeah. Kind of yes, like playing the newlywed game. Yeah, huh? it exactly. Is. <laughs> it is, but it was fun. So we like doing stuff like that. And I think when you're a mentor, you really uh, sometimes you you get reminded about things that you need. To remember, because they're they're kind of on your checklist. And and, basics. Yeah, and you go over them in your life too, as you go through them with another couple. Amen. What a blessing! And we've got more with Jim and Alicia Stewart uh, in just a, a few moments. The world tells us what love is supposed to be and how it's supposed to feel. True love is described scripturally in Brandon Heath's song on Lighthouse Light. And we'll be back for more right after this. Love is not proud Love does not boast Love after all matters the most Love 
Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike, Elaine, and Mr. and Mrs. Jim and Alicia Stewart. So proud to have them on, and we truly are blessed. And we want to thank you for listening, wherever you may happen to be tonight. You know, uh, Jim and Alicia, there, there are so many different tensions, pressure points, so many things in our society that pull marriages apart. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks reach that point where they figure there is no hope. And uh, what do we do? What do we do with folks that have thrown up their hands and said, you know, this, this just isn't going to work. What, what do we do from here? And, and you know, understanding there, there are some circumstances that, uh, you know, sometimes are, are not retrievable uh, for a variety of reasons. There are other times, though, in the, I would say the majority of cases, when there's plenty of hope, plenty. Uh, but it takes two to tango. It does take two. And my, my message would be, there is hope. Um, the song, Love Never Fails, well, God never fails. Mm. Right. We do. Yes. We right. do regularly yeah. um, to varying degrees. But God never fails. And there is hope wherever you're at, whether you're uh, newly married and had all that premarital education or whether you're in a ho-hum and don't really care anymore or you're in serious distress, yes. there's always hope. Um, so 
I want to encourage you that, yes, there's hope and there's help. Um, you can go to our website, www.stancomarriage.org, um, and see a humongous list of resources. There are books. There are classes. Um, there's just a variety of things for whatever way that you learn or whatever way that, that you interact um, to help you, whether your spouse is interested in saving the marriage or not. Um, it takes two to make a good marriage, but it only starts with one. Let's talk about that dynamic of, and our friends Joe and Michelle Williams call <laughs> it, standing on the line of reconciliation. Yes. Okay, when the other person has gone sideways, uh, <clears throat> if there is to be reconciliation, takes one to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to focus on Christ here. Right. And, yes. and stay here. Let, let's talk about that dynamic and, and what encouragements there are for people to, to keep their hand on the plow and, and, and just stay centered with Christ in those circumstances. Well, you know, I think so, so often that people get wrapped up in what their spouse is doing. And, you know, we're really bad scorekeepers when it comes to relationships. I'm always ahead. Yeah. <laughs> by how much? Yeah. A lot, always. Yeah. Yeah. Matter. At least by one, right? <laughs> it's easy for us to count our own score, but we but don't know how right. to count our spouse's score very well. It's we like don't. having that log. In I our, always yeah. see what I've done nice for the relationship, but I don't sure. always see what he's done nice okay. for the relationship. So a big key is getting your mind off your spouse and the best place to put your mind is on the Lord. Exactly. So if we change our focus from our spouse's um, issues issues and lackings and, and thing, then we start to see really what the Lord can do. You know, you, you mentioned just a, a couple of minutes ago, some of the uh, um, boundaries or, or rules you call them i, I guess ground rules. Uh, ground, rules, ground rules ground rules for marriage and i i think that's a, a a wonderful thing and one of the things that you mentioned uh i and and i think this is very very powerful and that is the power of words mm-hmm. you know scripture tells us that the tongue has the power of life and death yes. uh <clears throat> words can devastate us words can can build us up and let's talk a little bit in, in the context you, you were talking about building each other up, never putting each other down. Exactly. I, I used to have a friend that just put his wife down all the time, jokingly. But, you know, over the years, that that creates some, some deep wounds. Let's talk about the power of words and, and, and our encouragement to couples to build each other up. Well, you know, I think about when we talk about sarcasm, sarcasm often starts out being very innocent. Um, it starts out being just, and and then it it turns into something over time that's a lot different than that. Um, if if uh, just starts to turn into bitterness and resentment, um, and then over the course of time it really turns into hostility, um, that's when you've really got some damage that you have to, to work with. So what you want to do is, like, I don't know if um, our listeners have seen the Fireproof movie, mm-hmm. but it's available to purchase or to rent. Um, but in the Love Dare, 
um, when he, the husband, decided, was dared by his father to um, win back his wife's love, the, first, the very first thing he did was say no unkind word. Mm. Look for a good word. If you can't find a good word, don't say, you know, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. But the first thing is to say kind words. Just leave out any unkind word. And that was, um, I mailed off a Love Dare book today to uh, mm. somebody very close to us who's mm. going through a very difficult time. And, um, you know, one spouse says, I'm done. There's no hope. I don't want to play anymore. And um, the other one says, okay, I finally get it. I'm realizing, and often that's the way it works. Um, you know, the one spouse says there's an issue, there's an issue, and the other spouse says we're fine, we're fine, and pretty soon the first spouse says, no, okay, well, we're done. And the second spouse, okay, I'm ready to deal mm. with the issues. Okay, so what does that spouse do? The spouse takes matters and gives them to God, gets people around them praying, because you, you can't do this by yourself. So you want to use those positive words. You want to... Um, you fell in love with your spouse once and you won their love, you can do it again. You can rekindle that flame. Even if it seems like it is completely out cold, you can use the same kind of words. You look for what it was that attracted you in the first place. Go back to that happy place and look and see the person that you married is still that same person. They're still with you. Um, whatever has pushed you away or push that person away can be overcome, like you said, with those positive words. You start there. God's really clear on this subject. He says in Malachi 2.16, I hate divorce. So God is on your side. He's going to help you. Exactly. Um, he's in... Um, uh, and I think Matthew, it says, why, you know, what's, they challenged Jesus, the Pharisees, um, you know, why uh, did Moses allow for divorce? And Jesus says, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses allowed it. It wasn't that God was allowing it, but he realized that we had hard hearts and sometimes we have to change our heart and begin to soften it towards our spouse. Let's talk about the effect on children, uh, children in the home, and let's talk about the effect of words on children and how that plays into some generational stuff down the line. What about the peer pressure in school and all of the political ramifications that are happening today also? You can tie that into it as well. So we're at a loss for words. Yeah, uh, are, speaking of <laughs> the way that divorce affects children is, I was an adult when my parents divorced, so I didn't have the school issues personally. And I know that um, when children, when children's parents experience divorce, their grades go down. Um, their focus cannot be on school Absolutely. because they're they're trying to repair their parents' marriage. Mm -hmm. They're trying to create harmony in their home um, because you know our hearts are at home no they matter feel what it's their age fault. We are. A lot exactly. Of times. Um, there's no measure of of the there's no indicator of the well-being of children that doesn't go down when divorce happens. Yes, their economic status goes down. Um, their Education goes down. Their likelihood of graduating from college is greatly diminished. Their likelihood of graduating from high school is greatly diminished. So, their their yeah. likelihood of um, being involved in juvenile crime goes up. Mm -hmm. uh, the likelihood of uh, well, you know, in our area we have a 
terrific gang problem. And really, we're, we're, we have a gang problem because we have a family problem. That's there right, you go. exactly. And people are looking for a different kind of family, and often the gang is the only family that they have access to. You know, talking about children and, and the effects of, of uh, divorce upon children, there's also that aspect. Talk a little bit about the the way children take on responsibility. May not talk about it, oh, sure. but they they for some reason will take on the responsibility somehow. If I were different, this mm-hmm. wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they take on the responsibility. They take on a lot of extra um, responsibilities sometimes in their home life. Sometimes mm-hmm. they become sort of the the parent the uh, a lot of times the parents will start to actually kind of regress back to their teenage years and they they kind of go crazy and that sometimes these you know um, middle school age children and stuff they really have to step up and they have grow to fill fast. in for a lacking parent and they grow up very fast too fast the family yeah. dynamics can get really, you know, kind of tangled oh, yeah. up sometimes and, and dysfunctional. And the kids carry around a lot of this baggage for sure. years. Sometimes. And then the the other aspect of divorce is when we have the, um, often we have uh, joint custody or split custody. And those kids really don't really have a solid home anywhere. Um, there are some kids that... We turn them into gypsies. Yeah, we turn them into gypsies. They, you know, they'll they'll live one week in one home and another week in another home, or three days here and a weekend there. And it's just um, there. There's been some books written about it. It's called The Changing Hour, and it just it's stories of uh, psychologists that just see kids devastated by this, you know, change and upheaval. And you know, they have one set of clothes at one house, another set of clothes at another house, and one set of rules at one house and another set of rules, mm-hmm. you know, at dad's house. You know, a lot of times what they're being taught in school may not be the same values today right. as what they were taught and at certain. home. And maybe at one time a healthy home, which is not, if, if divorces come into that particular family, it may not be so. Yeah, there's a lot anymore, of dysfunction. You know? Also, yeah. um, that point can be uh, a trigger point in mental illness. And so a lot of a lot of people can just uh, really go off the deep end from that. Plus, it it plunges usually women into poverty. Um, the cost of uh, of divorce on our social um, system is just huge. It's twelve and a half billion dollars a year in California. Mm, wow. You know, we have a, a budget deficit that you know could use twelve and a half billion dollars right now. Really. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, in in thinking about this too, going back to the words in James um, chapter 3, beginning verse 9, he says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers, this should not be. And uh, I think, you know, generationally we, we see whether the kids say, Oh, man, I'll never do that. You know, man, I hated it when mom and dad. They do yes. because that's what they've been programmed with, and it becomes a generational issue. But also, on the positive end, talking about hope a few minutes ago, Alicia, we also have the opportunity to reprogram that for right. the future. We certainly do. You know, the exciting thing about marriage education is a lot of the skills that are that people are missing that cause them to divorce are the same skills that are the most easily learned. 
Mm-hmm. You can learn to be a good communicator. You can learn to be a good negotiator. You can learn to um, describe your emotions and give each other, you know, good solid feedback. And you mm-hmm. can change those negative things into positive things. And that's the that's the hope of when we share with people about marriage and relationship skills education. That's the hope. Those things are easily learned, and they're not a mystery. Um, it's pretty clear. There, there are some things you can do that are bad for your relationship, and there are a lot of things that you can do that are good. So we like to teach people all those good things and, and replace the bad habits with the good habits, and we know what the good habits are. Right, and those those bad habits that, that Jim was talking about, those things that are definitely bad for your relationship, we teach people what they are um, so that when you see that, it's a yellow flag, it goes up, and instead of it turning into a red flag that you're going for divorce, you put down that yellow flag by overcoming some of these things, giving each other the benefit of the doubt, um, saying kind words, things like that, um, so that you can get back on track and have that hope and have that joy. You know, not just be married, but be married happily. I think that's really one of our messages is um, the reason that the thing that most motivates us more than anything, any other one thing is that we want people to have what we have Mm -hmm. because I've done it both ways, and I like this way. (laughs) Yeah, way better. (laughs) Just a reminder, friends, if you're interested in looking at uh, the the plethora of resources that Jim and Alicia have for you, the website is www.stancomarriage.org, stancomarriage.org. And uh, how about a phone number where people can get a hold of you? You can call area code 209-606. 0772, and that will be me answering on the other line. All right, you can talk to Jim. Again, the area code is 209-606-0772. That's 606-0772. And now what about uh, your your ministry? I mean, nonprofits, we're all kind of bumping up against the economic realities today. How can people support you in, in, in prayer and, and in tangible ways? Prayer is so very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can, I, Alicia and I can sometimes just actually feel the prayers oh, of the people. That's and that is, uh, that's, that's an exciting thing. Um, time, talent, and treasure. If you have mm-hmm. time, talent, treasure, and a heart for families, a heart for couples, um, we would love to talk to you um, because, of course, the bottom line is cash, but God's bottom line isn't always cash. So it could be some other treasure or talent that you have. Maybe you want to mentor other couples. We can use you. Maybe you want to... Um, Share your story. We can we can use your story. So Maybe. volunteers, Alicia. Volunteers, Jim? absolutely. What would volunteers do? Uh, mentor, you said, but they what, can me- do mentoring, and we train mentor couples. Okay. Um, they can also do simple things like um, vacuuming the office. They can do um, things like uh, data entry, um, filing, okay. um, helping organize the the library. We have an extensive library for um, marriage education and. Um, premarital and other kinds of resources that needs to be 
put into the computer. It needs to be organized in the office. So we can and you're open throughout the week? and, and we can uh, Usually Monday through Thursday. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, I think we can work and connect uh, some volunteers uh, coming your way and, and, and partner together uh, in that. Now, as far as the church is concerned, mm-hmm. how are we doing in that arena? Are you welcomed with open arms in terms of the programs and the education you know, and things like that? How's there's that going? really a wide, wide variety. There's no typical church. Uh, you Even know, in they, Modesto, there's yeah. a lot of churches, but there's no typical church. Yeah. <laughs> there, you know, you've, you've got a pastor who may or may not be equipped to do premarital counseling. We can help churches get some of that training if they need it. Um, some churches are, are huge and have their own little premarital department, and, and that's, um, you know, at the opposite end of the, the spectrum. And there's everything in between. Some pastors, for instance, are they feel like they're equipped to do counseling and, and training and premarital, and some others think, you know, um, I'm a teaching pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I do. And, and so everybody has their strengths and, and areas that they could use some help in. And one of our areas that we do is we try to help churches establish good marriage ministries. And a good marriage ministry has three prongs. That's a, a premarital ministry, a marriage enrichment ministry, and some kind of a ministry for couples in crisis. What would you like to see? What would you like to convey to the church body? I would like to every church to have access to those three prongs, whether they have mm-hmm. them in their own church or they partner with us or other churches to provide that to everyone in the church. And we also have a heart for pastors' marriages because Mm. pastors kind of get left out. Um, You can't really be as open as some of the other um, congregation members can sometimes. And we um, will help connect pastors and their wives to um, uh, Galatians 6-6 retreat uh, at Windshape, which is a wonderful place in Georgia, um, to a retreat that's in April. If they contact us, um, we can can help with that. So we we really like to partner with more churches that way. And I I would just encourage my fellow pastors, you know, I, I learned this real early. If you try to do it all, you'll burn out. That's for sure. And I think one of the greatest things that lessons I learned early on was to take advantage of God's power in the pew. You know, we talked about men or couples. I used men. I was happy to give a lot of things over to men or couples because they had some experiences. I didn't, especially in the areas that we talked about in terms of blending families. Uh, and, And it is just powerful when you get to the point where you realize God has not anointed you to do it all. You know, he's anointed you to equip the saints to serve. Yes. Right. And that's a whole other show, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. I think it is. I'm going to get off the pulpit on that one now. But uh, I just encourage you to take advantage of resources uh, like these that, that Jim and Alicia are offering. Uh, very quickly, let's talk about mentor couples because, you know, sometimes people are sitting there in the pews going, oh, yes. man, you know, I don't, I don't think my marriage is, I mean, a mentor couple, we can't give... Talk we're about not, what people can. I mean, people can do this. We are certainly not looking for perfect marriages. So there, if you have a person, is there a perfect marriage? Not that I know. No, okay. <laughs> thank you. Simple answer, no. no. Okay. So we're just looking for people with experience. Yeah. You know, okay. people who've who've been through uh, you know life's up and downs and came out on the other end and 
Um, so we, it doesn't matter if you've been married, you know, five years or 50 years. You can be a marriage mentoring couple. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because we will give the training that's necessary. Um step by step if you need it, or here's an outline and go with it, whatever is comfortable for you. And guys, aren't we always in training? Do we ever reach a point where we aren't learning all I of us? I certainly don't. Mm. I learn it's more discipleship. stuff about marriage every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sanctification is a lifetime process, it isn't is. it? We ne- yeah. We're never there, at least on, on this side of eternity. Once again, friends, the website uh, to check out from any of these resources, stancomarriage.org, stancomarriage.org. And if you'd like to call Jim, uh, operators are standing by to take your call. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good, 209-606-0772-606-0772. Any big events or fundraisers or things coming up? Well, we've got, we've got a few has... things coming up. Um, we're going to be doing a, a really fun class that's called How to Avoid Marrying a Jerk or Jerkette. Now, that, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad my uh, wife didn't I'm, go through that one. <laughs> Unpack that one a little bit, Jim. Well, there are uh, certain behaviors that aren't good for a relationship, and this class teaches you how to um, see those type of behaviors how not to do those type of behaviors, because a lot of time it's more, uh, a lot of people that come to this class, they they actually learn how not to be a jerk, not just to not, <laughs> not marry, marry a jerk. But um, it's, <laughs> not to be the jerk. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a great class for young adults, uh, older teens, um, and people re-entering the marriage market. <laughs> marriage market? That was nicely said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and then we've got a, a new class that we're introducing to this area, which we're very excited about, which is called Mastering the Mysteries of Love. And this is a very, um, this is not a Christian-based class, but it's a very highly respected and researched class that has a lot of uh, great skills in it. And the we're excited about sharing biblical concepts, it. but we just don't yes. say that in the secular community. But they're biblical <laughs> concepts that we're teaching without well, the verses. And, and, you know, I, I think we see the secular community a little more willing to work. With I, I'm thinking of Diane Medved's groundbreaking book many years ago, The Divorce Busters, I think was it. And a lot of the principles she was giving were biblically based, although it wasn't a, a, it was technically a faith-based book. Yes. Guys, this hour has gone by much too quickly. You must come back and join us again. We want to thank you for sharing your lives and your ministry with us. Jim and Alicia Stewart, thank you for blessing us and for blessing our listeners. Thank you, listeners, for listening and joining us. Don't you join us again next time. Until then, may God continue to bless you as you love yourselves, as you love others.